RadioFreedomSlips.com. You don't need to expect us. We're already here. This is the people's war. It is our war. We are the fighters. Fight it, then. Fight it with all that is in us. And may God defend the right. Warning, warning. We gotta stop them. They're gonna kill us all. See how the trouble you started? Be they the government, be they industry, be they organized labor, be they anyone, or human beings. I'm when the operation of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart that you can't take part. You can't even passively take part. And you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. And you've got to win the day to the people who run it, to the people who own it. That unless you're free, the machine will be prevented from working at all. Revolution Radio of FreedomSlips.com, the number one listener-supported talk radio station, throwing ourselves upon the gears of the machine. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps. You called down the thunder, well now you've got it. You tell them I'm coming, and hell's coming with me, you hear? Hell's coming with me! Revolution Radio! We did not engage in conflict that was out of line with our mission. Is it disloyal? Is it sedition? Is it treason to oppose the hands of tyranny? Never! I will never send troops anywhere on a mission of that kind without telling them that if somebody shoots at them, they can darn well shoot back. I know not what course others will take. But as for me, give me liberty! Oh, give me! A dark cloud is finally lifting across the world as U.S. military intelligence and their global partners are destroying the deep state criminal power structure that has ruled over our planet for hundreds of years. We are free with the God-given rights, and we shall not yield that right to any power on Earth. Hi, I'm Scott McKay. The world is at, and I am your host on The Tipping Point. On Revolution Radio, where every Monday from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, we bring you the latest in this ensuing takedown of this global criminal empire. That's an image of strength. You'll get the raw, hard truth here on The Tipping Point. So come join us Mondays, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, in Studio B at Revolution.Radio. Thanks for listening while we took that short break here at Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com. And now we're going to get back to your host. Okay, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Uh, Welcome to Free Association. Um, It's 4 p.m. in the UK. And as usual, I'm in Newcastle Central Station, just having a cup of coffee. Uh, chilling out a little bit today. It's a lovely, lovely sunny day, and uh, it's warm. It's very warm at the moment over here. But, so my sleeping pattern's all over the place, but we'll we'll be fine. We'll be fine. So I think I'm going to stick with the format I've been using for the last few shows. So I'm just going to go through my week a little bit, and uh, and then move into. A little bit of politics, because it's been a busy week for for 10 Downing Street, at least. Mine wasn't quite that busy. There's not quite so much drama going on 
here. Although I do, I do have to do a, a countdown on the battery on this laptop because I've got 25% of it left. When it gets to 5%, I'm going to have to shut it down and go home. But uh, with a bit of luck, that might like, last me most of the show. So I should get most of it, if not all of it. I don't know how long it'll last, but uh, we'll see. It adds a little bit of drama, if nothing else. Countdowns are always drama. So we're counting down from 25. When it gets to about 5%, I'll, uh, I'll go back home. So my week's been... Uh, been in more interesting than usual well not not exactly because it, it, they're usually quite interesting but in different ways the uh, the drama in Downer Street started on Tuesday at which point I dived into it and started doing podcasts and watching watching endless news coverage but apart from that uh, on Thursday evening I got a, a ticket to Tears for Fears uh, supported by Alison Moyer at a venue that I've never been to. So there's an arena in Newcastle on the quayside, not quite on the quayside, but a bit further along. It's on. It's built, was built on waste ground by Chaz Chandler about 30 years ago or thereabouts. I don't know exactly when, but it's a it's a breeze block breeze block uh, venue. So it's a big, it's a big, it's a, it's essentially it's a big box built built on wasteland, and uh, it holds about fifteen thousand people, which is uh, a good size. Anyway, I, somebody had a spare ticket, so I volunteered to uh, make use of it. So I went along to the uh, what used to be the Metro Radio Arena which is now the Utilita Arena in Newcastle it was Alison Moyer doing support and uh, Tears for Fears headlining so it's a good a good lineup the ticket would have cost about 70 quid if I'd actually paid for it but uh, I appreciate the fact that I didn't pay for it quite honestly and uh, it was all a bit improvised, so it was all a bit of a surprise, but uh, it worked out reasonably well. And the, the two people who I went with left halfway through because it was very, very hot. Um, but uh, I, I stuck around till the end. So there was a, a greatest hit show from Alison Moyer for the first hour, and then a break, and then more or less a greatest hit show from Tears for Fears. There's some, some new album material, but mostly uh, mostly their old stuff. And a little bit of banter. There's not too much banter, but it, a little bit of conversation about football, because Newcastle's a football town, really. And, uh, and they're Manchester United supporters, so they were taking the mickey a little bit, but carrying a big stage show around with them, a stage show that would have would have made Pink Floyd proud. In fact, it looked like it was probably an old Pink Floyd stage show to me. Different, different back projected film, but the same principle. It looked like, it looked like Pulse to me, the video that I've seen of Pulse. Anyway, it was a good, it was a good night. I enjoyed myself. And uh, had a reasonable view of the stage, two two big screens, 
one either side of the stage uh, and the sounds okay it's not it's not brilliant sound but it's okay, it's okay sound in that venue and they they got to move the venue shortly uh, which is one of the reasons I'm I want to talk about it because it was it was designed for a capacity of 15,000 which is just just enough to miss out on touring American bands but they it, we catch we catch the British acts and, and the European acts but but the Americans like about 20,000 people if they're going to put on a show so we miss out on on American touring bands um, and they're moving they're moving the arena to another part of the quayside um, along the riverscape between the Sage which is a another music venue and an art gallery space called the Baltic so they're building a conference center which is going to be used for for concerts as well but they've kept the kept the capacity at 15,000 which means that we're still going to be missing out on American touring bands so the like the likes of um, whoever it is I don't even know who who the bands are these days but when it, in my day it would have been people like Kiss and um, I can't even remember the the big touring bands that that come in every now and again. In the summer, we we can get people for there's a couple of big stadiums, so we get we get big stadium shows during the summer. But in the winter, the only thing we've got is the arena, and it's not quite big enough to get the big bands. They go to Manchester, Birmingham, Manchester, and then up to Edinburgh or Glasgow. So we miss out a little bit, but. We, we do all right, and it was a and the Taste for Fear show is a world tour, so if they're going anywhere near where you are, I I recommend them. It'll cost money, but I recommend them if you can get a free ticket from somewhere. <laughs> just manifest a free ticket. That's all you've got to do. Ultimately, it's uh, it's the way the world works. Just manifest it for free, as much as you can. That's the way. I, that's the way I do my life anyway. Um, yeah, so. That's pretty much it. Yesterday was a was a job centre day for me. I had to go down again to the quayside. Had to walk down to the quayside for a meeting at ten o'clock yesterday morning, um, with some people trying trying to advise me on where I should be employed. And then wandered back. And then three o'clock, I had to go out again for another meeting with somebody who was advising me on where I ought to be employed. So I've done my I've done my duty and kept the government happy for the day yesterday. But speaking of the government, they've had a bit of a tumultuous week. So Boris Johnson is no longer leader of the Conservative Party, but he is still Prime Minister. Yeah, that's exactly the ticket, Mixie. <laughs> See, that's exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> it's all about the manifestation. I could I could just talk about the manifestation. The thing the thing is because last week I, I went to a I went to a, a gig last Friday and I've been looking forward to it for a long long time the Nirvana tribute band I was talking about last week and I've been looking forward to it for so long because my my life before lockdown was all about going to see bands it's all about bands it's all about festivals and bands when I when I was younger festivals now I just go and see see bands in bars or whatever Mist, you're very welcome. I appreciate you being here. Mitzi's here. Lizzie's here. Uh, 
Mr. Rose here. We've got a chat room. If anybody feels like coming into the chat room, if you're listening randomly on the interwebs, then uh, at revolution.radio you'll find uh, two studios and two chat rooms at the moment. I'm in the chatty chat room. But there's another one. There's, a, there's one that runs on a, a gadget called Matrix, which I haven't really looked into, but it's very nice. Uh, chat is good as well, but Matrix has got a few more, few more features. So um, we're, we're, we're a volunteer-run radio setup here. Two, station, two sta- stations, two studios running more or less 24 hours a day on Studio A and a good chunk of, of 24 hours a day on Studio B and then there's an internal Hawk's Nest which is which is more for fun uh, but that's there as well if anybody wants to make use of that so for anybody who's, who's randomly listening on the interwebs if you've got any ideas for shows then uh, come and talk to the management here and they'll uh, they'll have a word with you find out what you want to do and they'll help you do it they'll provide you with the studio space anyway you fleeced you're very welcome you're very very welcome I'm uh, I'm being fairly chilled out today because I didn't the only thing I've got planned I was going to talk actually I was going to talk about set the 7-7 seven, seven bombings but it's a bit heavy and then there was all that stuff in Downing Street happened but but Boris Johnson resigned on the 7th of July and and the bomb that one of the bombs that went off in 2005 was the 7th of July so it's become a bit of a drama day for London in particular I lived in London in 2005 so I will talk about that a little bit but not in a heavy way and I remember I remember hearing uh, radio coverage of a drill that was going on in the morning on the Today Show on Radio 4 uh, I remember hearing somebody being interviewed about a, a terrorist attack, attack um, drill that was going on and it would have been about 8 o'clock in the morning just before 8 o'clock in the morning they were interviewing this guy and then at 10 to 9 there was a terrorist attack in almost exactly the same way that they'd been rehearsing so there's a thing you can uh, you can put that down to coincidence if you like I'm not altogether sure it's a coincidence. I think, I think there might be some kind of military intelligence in, involvement, so I kind of turned it to James Fetzer at that point. Um, but not in, a, not, in a, not in a James Fetzer way. I'm suspicious. I'm suspicious of the 7-7 bombing simply because it's too much of a coincidence to have a rehearsal going on on the day. That the, that the event happens that's too much of a coincidence for me and the same thing happened at 9-11 and there was one other that I can't think of that was oh, there's, there's been a few in the states where there was a rehearsal going on the Boston Marathon bombing was the same so that's too many coincidences when you add those together that's too many coincidences what are the odds of three or four or five terrorism events being on the day of a rehearsal for a terrorism event so individually it's a coincidence when you put it together with two or three others it becomes a pattern 
and if it's a pattern that means there's probably some kind of intelligence behind it whether it's whether it's an emergent property of the universe that when people think about things they manifest them there's a lot of thought goes into rehearsing a terrorist event so it could be that that just as an emergent property of the universe the things that we think about manifest if I'm thinking about going to see bands then I manifest manifest a ticket it's just one of those things that happens Ooh, I've just had a beep to tell me that the, that the battery is going down so let me check 19% so we're counting down the battery battery status on this laptop that's the exciting thing that's going on in the radio show but I will play some clips I'm going to I'm going to set up some clips of uh, of the Boris Johnson thing as we speak uh, just because I can so I don't necessarily dip into the false flag discussions anywhere really but I am aware of, uh, of the possibility that that might be happening and the possibility that, that the universe may be conspiring to give us what we think about in a positive way and a negative way and that might look conspiratorial it does look conspiratorial in fact uh, but you have to look at, look at all angles and, uh, and take as much information in as you can there's more, more than one thing going on at any one time so let's have a look at BitChute. This is let's do uh, a little bit of a look through on the the entertainment category. I think first of all, because I'm in that kind of mood today, and then we'll do a little bit of politics. Right. So. So. People are posting all sorts of things. We've got um, a clip from Dumbo, The Rage, Carry 2, uh, Quarantine 2 Terminal. Don't know what that is. It looks like a horror movie to me. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, the usual Stargate Atlantis. Um, the, the movie of June that just came out, which I saw, actually. I was going to at some point do a review of it, but I never got around to it. So the, the new version of June is, is very, 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 very nicely filmed. It's all about the desert with some incidental political and religious drama going on in the, in the foreground, but it is literally all about the desert. The desert's a star. I think they filmed it in Syria or Jordan or somewhere. But a very, very nice looking movie. I want to see that. Uh, on the last day they were showing it at the Tyneside Cinema on a Sunday evening. And uh, it's a long movie though, two and a half hours. So it's a long time to, to sit in a cinema. But it was a winter. I don't mind sitting in a cinema for two and a half hours in the winter in fact I prefer sitting in a cinema in the winter to to being in a lot of other places there's a lot better there's a lot worse places to be than in a movie theater in the winter so and the music the music is astonishingly good the soundtrack is astonishingly good 
on that movie as well. I'm talking myself into watching it later on this evening. And what else have we got? Journey to Shiloh, which is an old movie from the 60s. They came from beyond space. Lots of science fiction movies on Bitchu. Uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. First season's being uploaded slowly but surely. It's a movie called Peppermint. I don't know what that is. Uh, Quickening. It's another recent movie. Village of the Damned. Uh, which looks like... Well, it is an old movie, but this one's a new version, I think. 1995 is definitely not the original. Because I've seen Village of the Damned and it was made in the 60s. I used to watch all sorts of things when I was a, when I was a kid. I remember that one from, from when I was a kid. I used to I used to watch Hammer horror movies on a on a Friday night. The BBC used to show ham, Hammer old Dracula movies and old Frankenstein movies and werewolf movies on a Friday night at about eleven o'clock. And I used to stay up and watch them when I was about twelve or whatever. It was an exciting part of my week when I was twelve. It was a horror movie on a Friday night. Anyway, moving swiftly on, let's have a look at what was some some clips of Boris. Catch up on the news. Right, here's a little bit of Neil Oliver to start us off. He's always got a good good rhetoric, rhetorical monologue in, in him. This is from about six months ago. But it'll be good. So let's do it. So, hang on, let me share my screen. Always forget that bit. Changes. Will 2022 eventually be the year that we leave COVID behind and begin a full recovery? Well, to share his thoughts on what 2022 might bring, we're joined now by GB News host Neil Oliver. Neil, uh, Happy New Year. A very good morning to you. Thanks for speaking to us. Really appreciate it. Um, you spoke in your Christmas message about signs of hope. So what signs of hope do you have for 2022? Oh, well, uh, Happy New Year to both of you. Uh, it's, it's good to be with you. Uh, it, was, it was nice to be mindful uh, last night that I was due to be on television at 9 a.m. <laughs> so it, it, it made me take more care of myself than I might otherwise have done. So it's, it's, it's good to be with you both. Um, I think, well, I think we have to be hopeful. Uh, it's, a, it's a choice uh, that we can make. You can either be uh, hopeful or not uh, in the face of challenging times. Uh, and, I, and I sometimes think that when, when things seem bleakest, uh, that can be or darkest. That can be the very moment when it's when it's important to deliberately. It's like putting a smile on your face when you don't feel particularly cheerful. Eventually, just the action of smiling lifts your spirits. And I think you have to be hopeful. And I think my primary hope, I think, is that uh, people are in increasing numbers realizing uh, the power and the influence that they actually have. Uh, it, it's easy to think in a pop, you know in a global population of whatever, nearly 8 billion people that, that an individual's thoughts and, and actions don't matter, that were like drops in the ocean. But on the contrary, I think every every action by, by each one of us is important and, and can make the difference. Uh, and I think that the process of the last, whatever it is, nearly two years, 
I think, has awoken many people to the idea that, you know, you don't have to wait for a general election or or, a, or to exercise your opinion via the ballot box. Uh, the, the act of, of standing up and speaking truthfully and honestly uh, when you think that something is wrong and needs to be corrected, I think more and more people have have, have, have accepted that and awoken to that. And it's that, more than anything else, that gives me hope for 2022. Neil, Happy New Year to you. Thank you so much for joining us. And I was actually working here on Christmas Day, and we played your Christmas message um, a lot. And it did so well in the, the inbox, just people getting in touch to say that they really resonated uh, with what you were saying about 2021 being really hard for lots of families. I mean, you touched upon it, being separated uh, from, from families. Lots of people had a really tough year. Um, and you, you, there was a sense from you that you weren't going to allow that to happen again. You wanted to be with your family because I think you said that's where you felt that's where you belonged. Um, is that something that you're definitely looking forward to in 2022? Oh, 100%. I, I haven't so far allowed anything uh in terms of a government diktat to separate me from anyone that I wanted to be with, uh, and I, you know, and I, I'm quite happy to declare that. I've, I've always uh, been of the opinion that it was it was right and proper that I uh, be with the people that needed me and that, and that I needed, and, and I'll continue to do that. And I think I have thought from the beginning that the isolation of people, you know, especially the way in which elderly people in care homes were isolated from the, from the connections to family that were like a blood supply to them that isolation i think was you know was bordering on the criminal it was so cruel and that so many people found themselves cut off from and isolated from loved ones for all manner of reasons uh, and and that people went through say events festival like christmas day alone because they, in inverted commas, weren't allowed to, to be with loved ones, uh, is uh, appalled me uh, way beyond any other consideration. I, I just thought and think that, that doing that to people is immoral. Maya, uh, can I start with you? You heard what I had to say about Kemi Badnock. I think you agree with me. Are you hearing from your YouTube channels, as popular as it is, that actually people are starting to take notice of Kemi? Yes. Um, thanks for having me, personally, um, Darren. Uh, my channel are very diverse. Do we have the supporters of uh, Penny Morden, Less Trust, and uh, Kemi now? But I think you make a good point because um, Kemi is making waves, and she's uh, technically coming out of nowhere in terms of the public kind of national media persona. But she is already making a lot of noise, and I think we just need one candidate. And it's embarrassing that we only have one candidate who's not just willing to be anti-woke primarily, but also focusing on telling the truth and being a proactive uh, potential leader. Because in these situations, the Tory party keep going with um, the concept of strong and stable. It's more reactive. They did it with the 2016 Theresa May, failed. They did it with the 2019 Jeremy Hunt's campaign, failed. Serious candidate for serious times. Rishi Sunak is doing the exact same thing. And the most candidates are going to be doing the exact same thing. I, I expect Penny Morden's campaign to be similar, uh, kind of more strong and stable, but slightly different to Rishi. Uh, Kemi, so far, is the only candidate, and I think Suella Braverman is trying to do the same thing. Kemi is the only one who is basically not just saying tell the truth, but be more proactive and actually come up with a vision, and that's very important. William, what are the polls telling you? Because Con Home, for my viewers that don't know, Con Home run polls where the membership actually give their views, and they're very, very popular within the Conservative Party. 
But what does it tell us so far? Because, correct me if I'm wrong, but Ben Wallace was up there, right? Yes, so um, consistently now um, for several months, Ben Wallace has been the most uh, popular candidate in our monthly survey um, to be the next lead. But of course, we've just got the news uh, this afternoon that Ben Wallace um, will not be running to be the leader of the Conservative Party. Um, in that case, it looks like the field is uh, relatively wide open. In recent polls that we've done, um, it suggested that Penny Morlands is the second most popular um, candidate, with uh, Kemi Badenoch actually coming in about fifth um, behind uh, Liz Truss and Nadim Sahawi. Um, so in that sense, it seems like the race is relatively open. However, um, over the last 24, 48 hours, we've seen that Rishi Sunak has rapidly accumulated um, the largest number of MPs so far, and he's announcing them in a sort of series of batches. Um, so I would say that Rishi Sunak um, actually on paper now looks very much to be the front runner. And whilst Ben Wallace's um, endorsement will be well sought after, um, I can certainly see a sort of uh, Rishi uh, Wallace team, in which Wallace was promised the ability to say at defence or uh, be made, say, Deputy Prime Minister, etc., as being one that would likely sweep the board, um, especially amongst the, not just the parliamentary party, but even potentially amongst our members. Indeed. But William, does the front runner, runner in the Tory elections, right, the front runner is always the one that ends up coming second, right? Oh, not always, but it, not you know, really. it happened with no, David that's, Cameron, that's something didn't of a political it? cliche. Is that um, a cliche? Sorry, that's, that's quite yeah, all that's right. A cliche, but it's actually incorrect, largely. Um, it depends on the dynamics of the individual race. For example, Boris Johnson was the clear frontrunner last time um, and was the winner, same with Theresa May um, in 2016. Um, now, if you can think about previous examples where people who weren't expected to win have won, both David Cameron came from third place um, to first um, in 2005, but then the contest was much longer. It was staged over several months, and he made a famously um, excellent speech um, at the 2005 uh, party conference, which uh, pushed him straight into the um, lead. Now, there are some who fear, uh, perhaps, that um, Rishi Sunak could be the uh, Michael Portillo um, of this year's contest, because Michael Portillo was the front-runner um, in 2001 until essentially all of the other people running uh, turned against him. Um, and it's thought that because the relationship between the Prime Minister and Rishi Sunak has uh, deteriorated um, so greatly that if it seems, as it does increasingly at the moment, that Rishi Sunak will likely be um, the front-runner and the next Prime Minister, you will see an operation within Number 10 to try and um, queer the pitch as yes. much as possible for Rishi Sunak and try to keep him out. Well, indeed, that's going to be interesting to watch, isn't it? Now, the Labour MP, former Labour MP even, Stephen Pound, is patiently waiting there. Stephen, can I ask you, who would you fear were you still an MP, who would actually, do you think, put the fear of God into Labour MPs more than most? Well, there's only really one person. I have to say, I mean, Rishi, forget it. Uh, you know, he, he's weird, he's entitled, he's a multimillionaire, you know, there's all the, the tax dodging stuff. Now, um, Rishi Sunak, bring him on, we'd love to. Kemi Badenoch, well, if she, the best she can do is come up with Mr Hunt from Ipswich, who says she's smooth, uh, not smooth, uh, authentically smooth, but not really smooth. You know, that's the best you can come up with. You know, and as far as we're concerned, and I think earlier on, the, the Grimes Time manifesto about what we actually want for this country is rather more impressive, and um, you would actually got my vote. But look, the reality is, it's going to be a team. It's, like it's going to be a man and a woman team for the Tories. There's no way they're going to have a, sort of a Wallace-Sunak team. It ain't going to happen. Uh, Tom Tugendhat isn't going to do it. He's going to be Foreign Secretary without a shadow of a doubt. The team that would really, really put the frighteners on us in the Labour Party, without a doubt, would be Penny Morton as number two and Jeremy Hunt as number one. 
because it would be the complete antithesis of Johnsonism. And Johnsonism now is as toxic as certain leaders have been in the Labour Party in the past. So any connection with Johnson, forget it. That's a dead weight. Rishi Sunak sat there with his arm around him all those years. Not a chance. Hunt is untouched, he's untainted, and he's free from that. He is the person who could come to the country and a contest between him and Keir Starmer may not actually have people dancing in the street and leaping around with excitement, but it would be serious, sober, sensible and good for the nation in a time of utter global, continental and domestic crisis. And frankly, mate, that's what we want. Maya, Stephen Pound there saying that actually who Labour would fear the most would be Jeremy Hunt because he would cut through and Actually, I would argue he would just be exactly as the same as Sir Keir Starmer, because in my opinion, it wasn't what Boris Johnson stood for that was unpopular, right? That won him that massive landslide in 2019, the biggest since Maggie T was in office. Actually, it was the poor implementation and the other stuff that went on alongside of it, right? There's Stephen Pound showing us the Thatcher <laughs> yeah. designs. Yeah, I mean, it, it is interesting, of course, uh, if, if, if you um, get the opinion of... Uh, not just the Labour side, but also the, the wet side of the Tory party, it's, it's some, it's in their interest to actually uh, push for certain candidates because they have their own interests. If you ask Keir Starmer, he would probably say, yeah, yeah let, let's have um, Jeremy Hunt as prime minister. That would be a good idea. Uh, but in reality, a lot of times, actually, because they, they, they have lived in their own bubble for the past few years and couple of decades, uh, the, the, the so-called strong and stable establishment types. Right now, we need a proactive visionary Sort of like a Tony Blair in 97, when he had a lot of money to spend, he didn't stand on a platform of uh, just reactive. He actually wanted to do something. It's now time to actually make some changes. Again, not just 97, but 79 by Margaret Thatcher. And I just find it sad that we only have one or maximum two candidates who are offering that. One of them is Kemi Badenoch. William, where have these candidates actually been for the past you know, few months? It's been... Uh, widely reported that Boris Johnson's future was on a knife edge for some time now after the drip, drip of scandal after scandal. Now, many of my viewers, William, may well be of the view that this was a constant attrition of an attempt to remove a, a, a very popular prime minister. But where have these candidates been? Because it strikes me that they're very disorganised, William. Am I wrong? Am I being unfair? Um, well, I think obviously the team that are most organised are Rishi Sunak, hence why they've managed to get out in front so very quickly. We know Sunak has been um, planning a leadership campaign for quite a while. He almost moved against the Prime Minister um, in December and January at the sort of initial height of the Partygate uh, um, scandal. Um, but I would also say that a lot of these teams are just being sort of written off on the back of a fag packet, where lots of MPs um, who think they might have a tilt at the leadership or think that their best way of trying to retain a role in Cabinet or even earn one um, is to set up a team now. You also see, yeah. say, Tugendhat, for example, and was well prepared, so hence he had an op-ed and a telegraph as quickly as he can manage. Um, but I would just like to come back quickly on a point that uh, Stephen was making. Um, it was nice to see that the old arguments of the reactionary left can still be trotted out in 2022. Um, but I would suggest that Stephen might want to check an opinion poll every once in a while, um, because the agenda that the Prime Minister ran on in 2019, um, rather than the Prime Minister himself, when he, remember when he came into office in 2019, he was okay. the most unpopular Prime Minister in recent memory, um, but it was actually the agenda that won the election in 2019, yeah. according to... My laptop's screaming at, him, at me that it needs plugging in, so I'm going to run back to my flat and see if I can get a, a signal there and finish off from, from my apartment. So I'll, uh, I'll drop out for about five minutes. I'm, only, I'm literally only about five minutes away, so assuming I can get a signal...
then I'll be back in about five minutes with a with a plugged in laptop. I should have organised this a bit a bit better, but there you go. You live and learn. <laughs> service normal service has now been resumed from a different venue uh, one of those things I thought the battery might last but unfortunately with Skype Skype and the browser open it, it pulls too much power not much I can do about that but there you go I now know it takes me 10 minutes to turn it around and I need more than 25% of my battery which I should probably have known already but I've now found out officially um, so it's a bit of a bit of a dog's breakfast show, but that's that's kind of the format. So that's the way it is. It's always been a dog's breakfast show, this one, and that's kind of how I like it. Right. So what else is happening in the world? The, the Iraq, the uh, Ukrainian war is still going on, but it's not on the front pages anymore. Certainly not over here. We've got we've got too much politics to talk about now. And uh, it's coming up to the silly season. Uh, Parliament's got two weeks before they take their summer recess. So that means there's two weeks to set up the campaign and get everything moving for the Tory party. And then it'll take another six weeks or so after that to actually get it get it happening. They've got to do some campaigning. Uh, there'll be some frantic touring of the country, shaking hands going on as it always happens. And uh, the man to look out for is a guy called Tom Tugendhat. And I'm, I'm not completely sure where I've got this from. I may have dreamed it. It may not even, it may not be true at all. But Tom Tugendhat is apparently a Bilderberger. He was mentioned in that video previously as uh, a potential foreign secretary. So that tells that, and that, that tells you why He's going to be foreign secretary. If he's already been to a Bilderberg meeting, they've already got him marked down as a potential prime minister. Uh, but that, he's one to watch. He'll be on. He'll be on the ticket somewhere. He might be a bit young to be dep deputy or prime minister. But he, he's if he ends up as foreign secretary, then uh, he's been picked out. He's been picked out. No doubt about it. So not only now am I talking about false flag terrorist attacks, I'm talking about people being put in place for particular agendas. So I have turned into Jim Fetzer. It's taken two and a half years, but it happened. <laughs> what can you do? If you, hang, if you hang out here long enough, you, you're going to end up doing that, I think. And I am potentially putting a, a show in the works that will involve some, some conversations about weather manipulation. When I can find somebody who knows about weather manipulation, I'm not going to go back in the chat room because it will be too complicated for my laptop to deal with. So I'm just going to talk from now until the end of the show and see what comes out of my mouth. Um, yeah, so, so it's been a musical week for me. I, I did the... The Nirvana Tribute Act last Friday, and then Tears for Fears and Alison Moyer. I've seen Alison Moyer before, 
at a at a gay pride day in London about twenty five years ago, maybe maybe longer, in Victoria Park. And uh she was very good. She was very, very good. I think Danny Minogue might have been on the bill with us an Army of Lovers. There was a there was a band from Sweden called Army of Lovers who were a one hit single. I think they were on the bill as well somewhere down the line for that show. But uh yeah. Big open air gigs are, are one of the things that I like. And uh gay pride is definitely that. Although they're charging a lot of money this year in Newcastle. So I won't be going I won't be going this year. I'd, I'd, I'll do it when it's free. I'm not I'm not paying money, I don't think. I might go up there with a laptop and see if I can find a a good Wi-Fi signal and do a show from the from the field or from from the nearest bar or cafe. There's, I know there's a cafe near there and there's a bar near there, so I might well do that. And I could potentially go on the march in the morning and record something for for the show later that day. Oh, speaking of which, I recorded something on the Time Bridge last week. Which uh, which may potentially cover the last five minutes of the show if I can find it quickly enough. I don't know whether I can. Anyway, I re- I've decided that I'm going to start recording um, insert pieces from from the Tyne Bridge and from St James's Boulevard when I'm there on a Friday afternoon with Rebels on Roundabouts. Let's see if I can get people to join in with. Uh, having a conversation while we're doing a demonstration. Um, I don't know how well that'll work logistically. It might end up might end up just being the wind, because the, the Tyne Bridge is a very windy place, very windy indeed. And uh, I've walked over the Tyne Bridge in the middle of summer, literally in the middle of June, and it's been snowing. It's a ridiculous place. It's like every single... Every single version of weather you can possibly imagine in a single day on the Tyne Bridge can be foggy in the morning, bright sunshine, then hail and snow, all in one day. It doesn't matter what time of year it is. I don't think the Tyne. I don't think the Tyne re- realizes that it's summer. The Tyne just thinks that it's time time for weather. And I'm talking talking about the talking about the river like it's sentient, and I think it probably is. Um, I'm a I'm a believer in the possibility of the Earth being sentient, which means that the rivers are sentient as well, and that everything about the Earth is sentient. The mountains. I came back from New Zealand in 2001, and I had I'd had this experience in New Zealand where. I was in, uh, I was somewhere on the South Island. Uh, there's a place where the tourists tourists go on the South Island uh, near Milford Sound. We were we were there for a couple of days, and I'd booked a an airplane trip. I can't remember the name of the name of the place. There's a little there's a little mining community that, that they take the tourists out to. It's right next to it as well, and Milford Sound is like a, a fjord. It's a big big inlet that, that the ferries use. But I, I booked a, a little a little plane, a little plane ride, so it was a six-seater plane 
taking us over the mountains and into this fjord and then and then back again uh, I don't think we even got out of the plane I think it was just there and back I don't remember I don't remember wandering around but it was it was tremendous we were about at one point we were about six or eight feet away from away from this mountain it's it's it was just astonishing it was just a, a remarkable experience of the earth and from that point on i'm i'm pretty convinced that the earth, that the earth is sentient it's a living it's a living breathing being um and the only evidence i've got for that is a feeling i had from a trip on a on a little plane in new zealand uh to Milford Sound, but I'm basing my, that entire hypothesis on that experience. Uh, it was tremendous. It was a very, very moving experience, from my point of view at least. But it's difficult to convince people that the Earth is sentient. It's a, it's a tricky thing to prove. You can't really prove it. It's just it's a belief system, but it's a belief system that we were actually part of the Earth, human beings. Are, are made of earth we are part of the earth we are we are the earth in another form really so the planet the planet exists in a multitude of forms and we are one of them and we're one with the planet so there's no separation from my point of view there's no separation there um and that's a bit of a hippie approach but i'm a bit of a hippie so what can i what can i do about it if I'm going to have mystical experiences in New Zealand, then I've got to take account of that. You can't you can't ignore a mystical experience. It's a it's an indicator of something. All right, that's it from me. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back next week with another dog's breakfast. <laughs> See you later. Barbara Jean Lindsay, the Cosmic Oracle. If you have questions about your past lives or future plans, need answers from the cosmos about your love life or career, or just want to keep your finger on the pulse of the planet, check out my show, The Cosmic Oracle, here on Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. Hi, I'm Bill Johnson. Some consider my efforts to be an underground law school. I am not an attorney, and I do not give legal advice. I teach. That's lawful and legal. Consider yourself served. You are to appear Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, Studio A. My forte? Foreclosure and contract law. Grab your legal pad and pen. Learn a broad spectrum of law spanning administrative, criminal, family, tort, and federal law. Fools and losers cling to old cases. I dissect and comment on the latest rulings that control the courts. Don't be a loser. 
and if you don't appear, you will be held in contempt. Are you interested in the paranormal? Murder mystery? Real natural law? Do you enjoy interviews with amazing guests? Then join Crypt Rick every Monday night, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on Revolution Radio. Studio A, freedomslips.com. Crypt Rick's iPhone Banker. Welcome to the Crypt. <laughs> what the heck is the truth, Jihad? Hey, I'm Kevin Barrett, host of 